0: Maersk and MSC are breaking up the 2M alliance in just three weeks before Valentine's Day. <laughs> Let's go over alliances. Let's talk about what this really means, what it doesn't mean. Let's break it all down. Hi, walking by land and by sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor. That's me. <laughs> I'm Lauren Beagan, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of the day, let's go through my top three stories of the week. (laughs) All right, story number one, we've been keeping it on. Um, No language out on the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space rulemaking from the FMC, but the FMC did just give an update on what their plans are. So maybe maybe they've been noticing that we've been keeping a uh, a tally. (laughs) Uh, This week, the FMC held their their FMC commission meeting. um, And in that, they said that they'd actually be releasing a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to dive further into some of the questions that were raised by the comments in the last notice and comment period. So it was open, um, through the, the kind of early winter time period. It closed December 13th. Uh, well, sorry, that was the other one. It closed, um, in November. Um, and, and then they had to, uh, actually, I believe it closed in October. I'm going to have to go back and check my dates. Either way, they had a quick t- turnaround because it was required to be totally done, by December 16th. That's what we've been watching. It was supposed to be six months after the Ocean Shipping Reform Act was signed. So June 16th, six months after that, they had to move quick. And so they had a notice and comment period. They had their notice of proposed rulemaking. They had a lot of comments on that. And so now what they're saying is that they're going to open it back up for comments. They're saying, look, some of those comments filed had some really good points. We want to pull together some more ideas, some more draft text, We want to get your feedback on that. We want to send it out into the wild, the new draft text, get comments on that, and then move forward. So the new draft text has not been released yet, but you know, of course, when it is, We're going to be covering it. I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. Um, you know, some things that they said that they will, the Federal Maritime Commission said that they will be covering in kind of their contemplation of what the new supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking will look like is talking a little bit more about the documented export strategy that came into question. Uh, what does that mean? Is that the threshold or is that just one of the criteria? A couple, a couple of the commenters actually asked, is that a formally filed document, um, or is that just a general export strategy? And actually, other commenters were saying, "Is that kind of a get out of jail free card that you're saying? Oh, well, if as long as you just call it an export strategy." you'll be fine. Um, Those are good questions, right? Um, They're also going to be looking at elements proposed as considerations for carriers in apparent unreasonableness to negotiate. Um, Are there elements? um, Are there things that the carrier should kind of be looking out for or know that the FMC is looking out for as they assess reasonableness to negotiate? Because the same way they can't, you know, the FMC can't just willy-nilly say, oh, that's unreasonable. Um, the, the comments were kind of asking for, well, it, are there criteria? Are there things that you're looking at? Are there examples? Generally, it seems that the FMC likes to do broad brushstrokes, and then go really specific in their case law. Um, here, I think it does warrant to have a little bit more prescriptive, uh, description of, of what they are looking for. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, so Chairman Maffei, um, did address the tardiness of the final text. Like I said, it was supposed to be due December 16th. That was in the language of ASRA. Um, so really Congress told them it was due December 16th. Um, but he said, look, getting it right is more important than getting it fast. And, I agree here. I I think that there were some pretty important questions brought on by the comments and nobody would have anticipated that these questions would still be outstanding. And so I I think it makes sense to to take a little more time here. I don't think they're going to take too much time, but I do think that it's Prudent and, and pertinent that they do take this additional step. Um, so, remember, we have three rulemakings that we're watching. We have the Ocean Shipping Reform Act that gave us three different rulemakings that the FMC is supposed to do. So, we have the unreasonable refusal to deal with respect to vessel space, we have detention to merge, prohibitive practices, that's all about the invoicing, and we have unfair or unjustly discriminatory methods. We do not have that language yet. Hopefully, that one will be coming soon. Um, the FNC has taken a pretty strong stance recently, um, at least in kind of a, a vocal way. Um, we've talked about this before, but Chairman Maffei has said that the Ocean Shipper Reform Act made it clear that it is absolutely illegal for ocean carriers to discriminate or retaliate against a shipper for filing a complaint or challenging a charge. The FNC will thoroughly investigate any allegation of illegal behavior and prosecute aggressively when warranted. This is something that everyone in the company, from the newest sales associate to the CEO, must understand. And he says that is why they have the VOCC audit team to carry this message. Even a simple verbal threat to a shipper from an ocean carrier employee could undermine U.S. law and will not be tolerated. So all that to say, that's kind of the, the, the tone that has been set, at least recently, as the chairman of the FMC talks about the VOCC audit team the language we're still waiting on is this unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods. I think it's going to talk a little bit or at least edge a little bit on this uh, discriminatory or retaliatory uh, for filing complaints. Um, you know, the shippers have have made it known that they can be a little bit nervous about, about filing complaints against the carriers because there's only so many carriers. Um, you know, so, so I think that those are, are valid concerns. I am really interested to see the comments that come back, but certainly interested to see the language here. Um, you know, following this... Um, we've talked about the FMC's ability to deny alliances. Um, and I think that that's one major piece that was kind of missing from Ozra. We'll maybe talk about that again, once we talk about the uh, the shakeup of 2M. Um, but I, I just want to reiterate that the FMC cannot currently deny an alliance application. Um, and that's something that was, I feel, missing from Ozra previously. That doesn't mean that I think that we should be down with alliances. I actually like alliances. I think that they serve a a very important purpose. I think that they provide a lot of options and and better pricing overall for um, shippers. Uh, But they, they need to have this kind of check and balance. And I think that the FMC should have the ability to deny... A, a, an agreement that's filed with it instead of just having to take it to court I mean that's the only way that they can stop an agreement so if an agreement an alliance agreement were to come in and say that they had 80% market share you know maybe this 2m gets shaken up and they come in and now that they're, they're a huge group um, the FNC can't say no they have to take it to court to stop it file an injunction, Um, That's a big hill, right? So um, Commissioner Bensel and Commissioner Backage have also talked about this, and we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, Moving on to story number two. Speaking of Maersk, they actually announced that they would be streamlining their subsidiaries, specifically Hamburg Sued and others. Um, So now they're basically going to be renaming Hamburg Sued so that it's now part of the Maersk name and no longer standing alone. Um, This isn't changing a whole lot other than, I mean, that's kind of sad that Hamburg sued, its name is going away. Um, but Maersk line actually, uh, took over ownership of Hamburg sued, um, April, 2017. So they've actually been part of Maersk for quite a while. It's been about five years. Um, maybe that was a trigger, you know, maybe, maybe that was part of why they're now moving to streamline. Um, as we're about to be talking about, usually there's some pretty detailed prescription on when things can change. Um, you know, may- maybe that was it. Maybe five years was the trigger. Four years, you can't change the name up until four years to kind of help with business transactions. I don't know. Um, look, I-, I haven't looked into the acquisition docs and I'm not even sure that the relevant parts would be public, um, but it's possible there was a four or five year phase in period, which puts us now at 2023. Um, and so now <laughs> the ocean carrier, formerly known as Hamburg Sued, will simply be known as Maersk. So story number three, FMC held their commission meeting this week, like I said. Uh, In that meeting, they talked about charge complaints again. So we've talked about these before. They were a new creation under the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, and remedies are only available for charges that happened after June 16, 2022. Um, There were a couple of trade presses that were kind of talking about this. That's so important to remember. Charge complaints were a creation of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, meaning June 16th, and more recently. So if you have a charge that you're thinking, oh, maybe charge complaints might be an option for me, not unless it's after June 16th, 2022. Um, so the FMC kind of gives some stats on how the charge complaints process has been going. Um, and, and if you want to learn more about charge complaints generally, I cover it in by Lynn by C episode previously. So feel free to go check out that episode. Um, but there were over 200 charge complaints filed since June 16th of 2022. Uh, the FNC reported that a third of them were filed with the base level of information included. Remember, they released a list of what you were supposed to be including when you filed the charge complaint. Um, and of the of, of the over 200 filed, 72 cases were actually opened. Of those, 53 cases have been completed. Um, of those, 18 have determined the evidence did not support the claim for the charge complaint. Okay, so they basically said, look, we're looking into it. We don't agree. We don't think that you, you, you know, we don't think that this is a a improper charge. Those are only 18 cases. And then actually three cases have been referred to the office of enforcement. Two of those. So basically they go through the whole process and they're like, you're right. And actually we're going to send this over to the office of enforcement. Three cases were referred to the office of enforcement. Two of those actually refunded the charges before the commission got involved, before the office of enforcement actually got involved. And one is actually still pending and being sent to the full Commission, the full FMC, for consideration of an issuance of an order to show cause. So basically, that would be kind of moving forwards with an enforcement action saying, you, you need to show us your reason why we should not bring an enforcement action against you. And then you start to get into into civil penalties and, and you know, order orders that require you to pay back the, the um, aggrieved kind of the complaint filing person. Um, so interesting, right? I mean, that's that's pretty nice. It was supposed to be a fairly quick process. Here we are just about seven months past Osra, and we've had um, quite a few cases looked at and reviewed, and these haven't been a full year-long formal complaint process. Um, I, I think that's pretty cool. It was supposed to always be a more law enforcement quick process. That's what it's become. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day here. So what's going on? So 2M. 2M has been one of the largest alliances out there, certainly in recent years. Um, their their market share has even bumped up to 40% or close to in a couple of the trade lanes. Um, look, they're they're breaking up. Um, MSC these days is the largest carrier. Um, there's been some trade press talking about the fact that maybe MSC can actually survive on their own and supplement with, with slot charters out there. Um, you know, Maersk is right behind them. Maersk is the number two. So... Um, it's interesting, but maybe not surprising. You've probably seen that reported from a lot of ocean ocean shipping following experts. Um, you know, this is something that they were getting pretty big. They were gonna start having maybe monopolistic too much um too much market share in certain lines and, and trade lanes um, that you know, not just the United States, but government agencies are also watching the market share of any of these alliances just to make sure that they don't get too big, right? I mean, that's the whole point. The governments are allowing antitrust exemptions. And basically what that means is that they're allowing monopolies to exist because the governments are watching to make sure that they don't become detrimental to the overall um, industry that they're servicing, but that they actually are still supporting and and providing a, a necessary Um, a necessary service to that industry. So prior to vessel sharing agreements, it was actually a bunch of slot charter agreements. So um, let's talk about what an alliance is, right? So maybe that's a good place to start. We've covered alliances 101, uh, but maybe we should kind of just revisit that. So what are alliances? They're essentially vessel pooling arrangements. Um, One of the general purpose statements taken from one of the agreements is to share vessels, essentially, to charter and exchange space on one another's vessels a cooperative working agreement for services and operations in the trade in order to improve efficiency, minimize costs and provide high quality services to the shipping public. So what does that mean? They're vessel sharing agreements, right? So they're the pooling of ships. Um, for a long time, the industry wasn't making money, right? We've talked about that before. I don't think anybody was more surprised than the ocean carriers on the billions of dollars they were making the past few years. But look, in 08, 09, 2010, they were lucky to be out of the red. So these companies started looking at vessel sharing space to help streamline cargo movement in a more coordinated fashion than just the slot charters. Um, sometimes it's important to, to look at what they're not when describing what they are, and so what vessel sharing agreements, what alliances are not? They're not rate setting clubs. They're not allowed to talk about rates actually at all. Um, they're not conferences, which is a previous structure of the shipping industry. That that all was kind of deregulated in 1998. Um, so conferences were essentially kind of like membership clubs uh, with dues and, and rate setting. We we don't have any of that. This is not supposed to be anything rate. This is supposed to be really operational and kind of service based. Um, so. How many alliances are there? There are three alliances. So, you know, I think that it's a little bit unfair to to call them cartels because there's some derogatory um, kind of connotations with it. Alliances really do, I think, provide a important, valuable service to the industry. Um, and while their membership has kind of shifted over the years since their creation, um, you know, there generally are right now three major alliances, even including 2M, because they're not actually going anywhere for two years. Um, So we have the Ocean Alliance, which is Costco, um, including OOCL, CMA, CGM, and Evergreen. Uh, We have the 2M Alliance, which is Maersk and MSC. And we have the Alliance, um, which is Hapag Lloyd 1, which is Ocean Networks Express, and Hyundai Merchant Marine and Yang Ming. So that's what we're looking at. How do these alliances actually get filed with the FMC? So their are agreements. They get filed with the FMC as an agreement. Um, and they enjoy limited trust antitrust immunity for ocean carriers by filing these agreements. And then 45 days, the FMC reviews it. Um, they can stop the clock, but they can't deny it. And we talked about that at the outset. We're going to talk about it here. The FMC cannot deny these agreements that are filed. They don't actually get approved. They just expire the 45 days and then it's approved, right? Like it's, it goes into effect. That, that's kind of it. It doesn't get approved. It, it goes into effect. Um, so the FNC can ask questions in that time. They can stop the clock when they ask the questions so that the 45 days gets told. It doesn't continue. Like you can't ask a question. And then while you're waiting on the answer, it just keeps going. The clock stops. Um, and really for the FNC to, to stop it at all, to deny it, the, the agreement going into place, they're, they're required to bring a suit against the alliance, a file an injunction. Um, and that all has to happen within 45 days, really, right? Otherwise, it just automatically goes into effect. Uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. Um, so what about these agreements? Do they have terms of expiration? They're not required to necessarily. There isn't a lot of prescriptive requirements on what the agreements have to have um, but a lot of them do. A lot, these three do have expiration dates to them. And so that's another reason why this actually isn't that surprising, that all of a sudden 2M now is moving forward. So what the, what their specific agreement says is that they can't submit. They have a 10-year term of agreement with two years notice for leaving the agreement. But They can't submit that before eight years have passed. So this was filed in 2014. And now 2022 was eight years. So under their own terms, they now just passed their eight years. And so now they have a two year of of kind of an expiration period because under their own agreements, they can't leave with before 10 years um, with a two years notice for leaving the agreement. That's so that's what we have. So they're saying we're not going to we're not going to expire this whole thing until 2025. That's that's expected. Right. That's under their own agreement. And these agreements are filed publicly. So you can actually pull them up. Um, I'll put a link to it in the in the uh, comments here. Um, The other two alliances, there's been talk about maybe the the other alliances might shuffle around. It's not clear. um, And I haven't really gone back to check specifically, but it's not clear if they can shuffle around if that was in the agreement. Um, But for full expiration of the agreements, the Ocean Alliance has a preliminary 10-year term where nobody's allowed to leave the alliance. And then after March 2027, um, originally that was actually only five years and now it was amended to 10 years, a party could leave as long as they gave 12 months notice. Then after 2027, if nobody left, the term was extended indefinitely. Um, So look, we're looking at probably 2027 for the Ocean Alliance, unless they make some modifications and file an amendment. Um, But that's kind of what it says right now. And then with the alliance, they have a 13-year term. So a right to withdraw in a 12-month notice, but not before the initial period, which puts them at April 1st, 2030. Um, So those are kind of some target dates to have in mind for the other two alliances. That's not to say that they can't change it. Um, That's not to necessarily say that they can't modify it. Although in the language of the Ocean Alliance, it sounds like nobody was allowed to leave the alliance. So maybe they could add in, but not subtract um, like I said, these agreements are are kind of agreed upon by the initial creation, um but they could create modifications and, and file that with the FMC. These are all, like I said, publicly available documents that you can go check out. Um these expiration notices also have provisions for insolvency, bankruptcy, material change in company status. um so so there are some kind of other alternative. Uh, ways for for expiration to happen, um, but you know these are. It's a really interesting thing. So, um, so eight years from the initial 2014 creation of this vessel sharing agreement from 2M, that was 2022. So it makes sense that 2023 is when we're hearing this news. So what does this mean for you? Maybe not a lot for the next two years, right? They're going to be slowly starting to to change up their their systems, but we've seen a lot of slot charters kind of coming back into play. Like I said, before vessel sharing agreements, before these alliances, we had a lot of vessel, um, a lot of slot charters. Maybe we're gonna be getting back into that. We've seen Zim have um, quite a few slot charters with 2M specifically. Maybe that's something. Maybe Zim decides to move into an agreement um an alliance. And um yeah, maybe maybe that's kind of what we uh maybe that's how it kind of all shakes out. Maybe we we see Maybe MSC staying on their own, maybe Maersk and Zim. Um, Who knows? I have no idea. For now, though, nothing's really happening for the next two years. Um, it's noteworthy because they are the two largest, but also, you know, who knows? Uh, we'll we'll see. Not a lot's going to change operational, well, uh, right away. Not Not a lot's going to change in the overall world. I think we're going to see more perceptions. Maybe we'll see some rate changes just because of stressors on the market, but it's not going to be because anybody breaks up tomorrow, to be honest, right? So it's two years that we have for this winding down period. Um, Look, there's a lot to still come out. This is breaking news out of this week. Um, There's a lot of people talking about it, but I think for now, It's, it's just interesting. It's important to learn a little bit more about the alliances. I encourage you to go check out these agreements. Uh, Like I said, I really, I really don't see alliances as a bad thing. I think that they are really providing an overall benefit to the ocean industry. Um, They're providing more routes on trade lanes. They're providing more options for pickup and drop off. You can work with your desired vendors um, without having to, you know, kind of cherry pick all around the different alliances. So I, I think this is going to be a, a, I think this'll, this'll be just fine. I think we might see some shuffling, but like I said, we might not be able to shuffle for a few more years. So we'll see. As always, the guidance here is general for educational purposes only. It should not be considered to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal e-learning and general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know, comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand, or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Landed by Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Landed by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. And while you're at it, check out the website, themaritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.